0: Hey guys, welcome to Meet the Maliks. I'm Ellie Malik. And I'm Matt. We're uh, happy that you're listening today. Uh, we are actually in out of town. In Seattle. Yeah, in Seattle. Uh, we are h- having a uh, wonderful time at our brother-in-law and new sister-in-law's wedding. Yes, my brother, my sister-in-law. Yeah, sorry, yeah. my brother-in-law. And uh, so while we are out of town, we are ha- having a special... For you today, it is one of Matt's, uh, one of my favorite messages that he's ever preached. Actually, yeah. Are you surprised to hear that, babe?
1: Um, you've told me that you like this one a okay. few times.
0: It is on the Lord's Prayer, and uh, don't change that dial uh, after I said that because I know the Lord's Prayer is something everyone knows and is memorized. But this is an extremely practical message, and uh, everyone had really great responses to it, and I know you're going to love it and get a lot out of it. So without further ado, here is Pastor Matt Malick
1: talking about the Lord's Prayer. And I'm honored to be here with you guys today. I'm honored to preach, and recently God has been taking me through a journey in my life about prayer. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to be open with you guys. I've been a Christian since probably six or seven years old. I'm thirty, what, five, thirty-four? How old am I now, honey? I remember one time, and I'll joke about myself on this. Ellie said not to make too many jokes about myself, but this one I will tell. Um, one time when I was talking to our youth, I was like, "And so at, you know, I'm 29 years old." And Ellie's like, "No, 30? No, 31? No, 32? No." I was 33 at the time, so I, I had lost four years. It was kind of embarrassing, but not quite as embarrassing as the. Uh, as the as the gaff we had last time I preached up on this on the uh, upon the thing so anyway God has been taking me through this journey on prayer i've been I've been a Christian for almost all my life I've been praying for almost all my life but one thing that has gotten me confused and and recently I finally just broke down and I, I decided I'm going to find out why we have to do some certain thing in prayer and, and And I started asking myself, why do I need to pray? If God's all-knowing, if God's all-powerful, if God's everywhere, why do I as a person need to pray? He already knows what I need, right? It even says that in the Bible. It says that right before the Lord's Prayer, it says, "Um, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So God already knows what we need. God already knows what's going on, so why do we need to pray? This is coming from a guy that's been a Christian for almost 30 years. Why do I need to pray? And instead of stopping praying because I, I, was, I didn't know why, I, I decided to do some study, get in the Word, and, and read a few books and figure it out for myself. And so as a result, you're getting what I got for you guys today. All right? Cool? I have, a, I have two sons. Um, Gabe is barely talking. He's starting to talk more. And then Bray and he's talking up a storm. Uh, two years difference there. And Braden, he's starting to pray, and sometimes he prays the, the weirdest things like, um, God, help me not be scared of Gabe when he screams. And he's like, hey, I'm not scared of him when he screams. God, answer my prayer. I'm like, that's awesome, Brayden. Um, or, Lord, help, help Mommy and Daddy not be mad at me when I do something bad. And, uh, and we, we and anyway... We would stop yelling at him for a while. So God actually answered that prayer. We, we took a different approach at disciplining him. Anyway, um, but sometimes kids pray the funniest things. Have you noticed? Here's one. Dear God, this is not stuff my son prayed, okay? Dear God, do you draw the lines around countries? If you don't, who does? Who makes the borders? Dear God, my grandpa says you were around when he was a little boy. How far back do you go? Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. Works out okay for me and my brother. Dear God, I heard the moon was made of cheese. Tonight half of it was missing. Did you get hungry? (laughs) Dear God, I didn't think orange went with purple until I saw the sunset you made on Tuesday night. That was really cool. Dear God, please take care of my mo- my daddy, mommy, sister, brother, my doggie, and me. Oh, please take care of yourself, God. If anything happens to you, we're going to be in a big mess. Dear God, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time like I am. <laughs> Today, I'm not going to act like... I know everything when it comes to prayer. I know there's people in this room that that if we asked you to talk about prayer, you could you could run circles around anything I could ever come up with. Today I'm but today I want to look at, at a certain prayer, a certain model that Jesus gave us in the Bible and how we need to pray. And it's a, it's a prayer, it's a model that, that we've all grown up with for the most part. If you ever went to church at all as a little kid, if you grew up in the Catholic church, Baptist church, Assemblies of God church, whatever church, I'm sure you've learned this prayer at one time or another. And, and I'm not going to have time to show you everything I've discovered, but, but before we get to that prayer, I want to talk to you about why I believe, why we as people need to learn to pray. If, you, if you've ever read, if you have the book, if you've never read it, there's a book out there called Intercessory Prayer by Dutch Shield. It's very good. Go get it. Read it. I'm about three-quarters of the way through it. And some of the stuff I'm going to talk to you guys about right now is in the beginning of this book, so I'm not going to claim it all. But it's, it, it helped open up my eyes of why we need prayer. It all goes back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. If you have your Bibles... Turn there really quick. We're not going to be camping there long. I'm going to be moving quickly through this first part. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and then uh, 2, verse 15. It says, Then um, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We see God saying to man, Rule. Rule. I give you control. I give you rule over, over all these animals. Verse two, Chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. What we see at the very beginning is that God made man stewards of earth, of where we live of our world. God made us stewards. He made us his representatives here on earth. God placed man in charge and while he's still ultimately in control, we are meant to be his messengers, to represent him. See, God's not a micromanager. He's not going to come in behind those that he's placed in control and start taking control and start manipulating things without their permission. That's just not how God works. And, and, and then when we fell in the Garden of Eden, I'm just going to fly through this, so bear with me, all right? When we fell in the Garden of Eden, we, we handed, and sent into this world, we handed that authority over to Satan. And, then, and we see that in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, if you want to look at it, where, where Satan is tempting Jesus. And he says, look at over all the world, uh, I'll get all these kingdoms I can give to you. How could he give those kingdoms away? because he he had control over them he could give them to Jesus if he just worshiped him. And then Jesus he, when he died on the cross for our sins he took back that authority from Satan in Matthew chapter 28 verse and we, we see proof of this in Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission verse 18 it says then the 28:18. Um, Therefore, go. Uh, all authority has been given. In, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus; He took back the authority, and then we became His representatives again. We got back that authority again as Christians when we received Jesus in our hearts. We see that when He says, "Now go. All authority has been given to me because I took it from Satan. Now I'll give it back to you." So I just flew through that, so I apologize. If you're not following me, look all these scriptures up and, and study it for yourself. So now we come to the model, the prayer that has changed everything for me. I grew up learning the Lord's Prayer. Who here can, who could probably tell me the Lord's Prayer by heart? You don't have to quote it, but just let me see a show of hands. I'm sure there's quite a few people here. You know, you grew up learning it, you know it. You probably can say it and not even think about what you're saying because you know it so well. And so today, we're going to go through the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at each verse, verse by verse, and we're going to see why God, why Jesus told us to go through this model. And we need to understand the reason why, And well, anyway, it all come together. So Matthew uh, chapter 6. This is where we're going to stay for the rest of the day, guys, for most of the day. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Then he said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The first thing we see here is our Father who is in heaven. Holy, or hallowed is your name. When we pray, when we come to God in prayer, we sh- this is, this is the, be- the beginning of our prayer. We should not fly through. Honestly, we should spend almost more time in this part of our prayer than we do praying for the things that we need in our life. We saw, I just showed you how we are his representatives and how we have authority. And so when we come to Jesus and we say, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. We are submitting ourselves to him. We're placing him above ourselves. And we're basically coming to him as his managers, as his stewards, as his representatives and saying, Okay, God, I give it all to you. I give you control. First thing we need to we need to approach him with honor. We submit ourselves to his authority when we come to him. We say, "Holy is your name." And one thing I've noticed, even in my own life, one thing I've noticed, even in my own life, is that many times we tend to approach God with brashness. Listen, I, I'm the first one. I will say I'm guilty of this. Well, I, I in my past and even. A couple days ago I caught myself doing this. I'll come to God really quickly and expecting him right away to listen to me. It's like, God, I'm here, so let's talk. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm being brash. I'm being I'm being um, I'm being belligerent in how I approach him. And as Christians, as believers, we need to learn to approach God with fear and with trembling and with honor. We need to learn to approach him and say, Okay, Father, holy is your name. You are holy. You are more, you're greater than me. And I don't deserve to be in your presence because of the sin in my life. A lot of times we end our prayers in Jesus' name. But I think a lot of times we should begin our prayers in Jesus' name. Because it's only because of him that we can approach the Father in the first place. It's only because of him that we have any authority at all here on earth. It's only because of him that we can cast out demons. It's only because of him that we can heal the sick. It's only because of him that we can do whatever God has given us to do in his gifts. It's only because of Jesus. And so when we approach the Father, we don't need to approach him and say, okay, God, I need this, I need this. How many times do we do that? The first thing we say is, God, we need th- I need this done, I need this done, I need this done. And God's like, whoa, slow down. You need to approach me correctly. It reminds me of my son. Um, a lot of times he'll, he'll say, Daddy, I need milk. Or, Daddy, milk. Milk now. Give me milk. And it's all in the question. I'm going to get him his milk or whatever he needs if he can't get it for himself. I'll help him. It's no big deal. But I want him to say what? Please. It's, it's, it's the attitude, right? When we approach the Father, we need to come with the right attitude, with the right heart. And while the Bible does say that we can approach His throne with confidence, we can only have that confidence because of Jesus. It says approach His throne with confidence, but you can approach His throne with confidence and with humility at the same time. You can approach Him. I'm reminded of the story of Esther. I'm reminded of the story of Esther where she found out that all the Israelites were going to be destroyed. All her, all her people were going to be destroyed. And her, her uncle Mordecai told her to go to the king. She said, I can't just go to him. I haven't been summoned. He can have me killed, right? She's his wife. Why can't she just go to him? But she had to follow the rules. And, and as the children as children of God... Yeah, we're, he's our best friend. Yeah, he's a lover of our soul, but we need to learn to approach him with honor, just like Esther approached her own husband with honor. This is this is very very important, guys. We need to understand before we go on the rest of our prayer. We need to understand how we need to approach the throne. As Americans, we're extremely guilty. Of thinking, of, of thinking we have these certain rights and that God needs to recognize them. But no, when, when it comes to the kingdom of God, we have no rights. We've given up all our rights when we've accepted Jesus in our heart. I'm not going to go into it too much, but I, I struggle sometimes with politics in our country, and, and I vote. i do my i do my duty. You know, I'll take my stand, but I understand that I'm a citizen of heaven first before I'm a citizen of this country. So as a result, I need to submit to my authorities. Sorry, that's just rabbit trail. I won't go there any further, but um, this is very important and it's so much more than dear heavenly father as we open up our prayers. It's so much more than that. It's we need to spend time, and we just need to spend time well, we like what we did today. Where we're, maybe you need to spend some time worshiping God when, at the beginning of your prayer time. I know sometimes we need to pray quickly. We're not going to have a long time of prayer. But this is for when we have our time of prayer. Everybody needs to take 15, 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes a day in prayer, maybe an hour long, maybe longer. It's up to you in prayer. And when we open up that time of prayer, we need to spend a good amount of time, actually more time worshiping God than we do asking for our own needs. And then once we've done this properly, once we've honored God and submitted ourselves to God and said, holy is your name, then we move on to the next part of our prayer. I believe we don't have to quote the Lord's Prayer, by the way, but we have to follow this model, I believe. This is the only model Jesus gave us in praying. And Jesus is God. So when God tells you how to pray, you pray this way, okay? And it doesn't have to be a ritual. I am, uh, for the most part, I'm anti-ritual. I've always struggled with rituals. I've always struggled with with routines. I I want to do my own thing. I feel rebellious sometimes. I want to, I just want to break the mold. I, I don't want to be cookie cutter. And this isn't a cookie cutter prayer. You can customize this for your own heart, for your own life, and your own style. And when we have the right attitude, that's when we get to the next step, where, where we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A lot of times we want to say that really quick and skip to, now give me my daily bread. Or deliver me from my, from my uh, temptations and just skip all the way down to the temptations part. But no, we need to stop and spend some more time even here than we do the rest of the prayer. Honestly, I, I should spend my whole, the whole time today on these first two verses. Because I feel like these first two verses are the ones in our prayer life that get the least amount of attention, least in my life. I don't know about you. I don't see your prayer time. But in my life, I've noticed for all, my, all 30, almost 30 years of being a Christian, I have skipped these first two verses or, or flown through these first two parts and gone to the next three. But God, he, Jesus, He gave us, there's a reason why He put these first, because He wants us to get our hearts right first. And so this verse it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How often in our prayers we approach God with our needs before finding out what He wants. I wonder if, we, if, we, if a lot of us, if we took time finding out what God wants in our life, what God wants to do on our, in our world, that we'll realize what we want isn't what He wants. And then we won't even bother to ask for it. Or our way of doing things is different than the way He wants to do it. And so we won't even bother asking Him to do it that way. Because we realize He wants to do it a completely different way. It is is imperative that we find out what He wants, what He desires for our lives, for our worlds, for our situations, before we ask Him to change anything. I know me, a lot of times I've come to God in prayer, asking Him to change a certain situation because I feel frustrated with a certain situation. And then I take some time and I realize God wants to use the situation to change something in me. We need to find out what God wants to do in our world, what God wants to do in our immediate life. I was preaching this to our teenagers, and I got this sense that when we pray this prayer correctly, we're we're basically saying, God, we're giving Him permission to do something supernatural in our life, we're trying to get a connection between us and heaven. Before we ask him for any of our own needs, and you know, I, I've been reading Jeremiah a lot lately. And reading Jeremiah a lot lately, and and in Jeremiah, it's a very interesting book. God asked him to do a bunch of crazy things. I haven't gotten to all the crazy stuff yet, but one thing I keep seeing is that God keeps saying to Jeremiah to, to prophesy destruction to Israel and to Judah. While everybody else is, is prophesying, all the other prophets are prophesying victory and, and greatness and all this stuff, and Jeremiah's like, nope, you're going to be destroyed. What if Jeremiah, he decided, you know what, I, he didn't know this Lord's Prayer, but what if he... he decided, Do you know what, I'm going to pray for victory of Israel, Jeremiah wouldn't have a book in the Bible. He would have been a false prophet like everybody else. But I guarantee you, Jeremiah didn't like what God told him to say to the, to the people of Israel. He didn't like it that his people were going to be destroyed. He didn't like it that his people were going to be, held, be taken captive to, to Babylon. But he, he was true to that because he realized that this is what God wanted to say at this moment. He found out God's will on earth before he asked God for help. And see, the part of prayer that is very this, this part of prayer is very, very important to all believers. Because this is a part of submitting to the Father. We're acting like Jesus said, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing when we pray this prayer. We're saying Father, what do you want to do? What are you want to do, wanting to do down at Schnooks? What are you wanting to do in my house? What are you wanting to do in my neighborhood? What are you wanting to do in my school? And how can you use me when we pray this prayer? This part of the prayer takes the focus off of our needs and puts it on his desires and on his will. It makes all of our needs look small when we find out what he really wants to do. And when we apply this to our lives and to our prayers, many of of the things that we're going to ask in our time of prayer will change because we realize that what we are asking for may or may not be in line with His plans. That's the power of prayer. When we realize His plans, when we pray according to His plans, God's going to do what he wants to do, he just wants people that will stand up with him and give him permission to do it in their own lives. Do you guys, you guys hear what I'm saying here? You guys are very quiet, and so I don't know if, if I'm losing you or not. So It's very important that we understand this. These two first two parts of this prayer. There's a reason why Jesus put him first. We need to understand that. When we pray, when we go to him, when we come to him, when we submit to him, we submit to him in our lives and we say, have your way in our lives, we submit to him twice. And then we can move on to the next part. This is the part that a lot of us, we like to get to right away. Because we feel like we have all these needs, we have all these things in our life, and we're not trusting him with all these things. And then we get to give us our daily bread. And when we look at it, when we dig down deep to give us our daily bread, we realize that we're submitting to God again. First, we're submitting to Him by saying, you're holier than us, you're greater than us. Then we're submitting to Him by saying, have your way in my life, in my world. Not my way, but your way. And then we say, give us our daily bread. We're submitting to God by acknowledging that we need Him for everything, both spiritual and physical. You could be a millionaire, a billionaire, and you would still need God. Because like, God could take all that away just like that. Just like that. If you need proof, look at Israel. Look at the king of Israel in Jeremiah's time. He was taken from his throne. He was, he was on top of the world one day. And he was a slave the next. And so we need Jesus for our daily bread. For our, our, all our needs. We, need, we, we have to have our uh, utter dependence on God in our life. Matthew 4.4 4 says, <clears throat> Matthew 4.4 4 says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, not only is our daily bread, the food that we eat, the electricity that, that heats up our water, or the gas that heats up our water, or gives us light, Or the gasoline that goes in our cars. That's not just our daily bread, our daily needs. But also, we need to come before him and, and allow him to feed us daily. The Sunday morning message should not be enough to feed you throughout the week. It really shouldn't even be enough to feed you on Sunday. It should only be enough to feed you for about a couple hours on Sunday morning. And then we go home and we spend time with him. We spend time in our word. We spend time worshiping him and allowing him to feed our hearts because we, need, we depend on him for our very substance. We depend on him to keep the passion that we once had when we first gave our lives to him. That passion should not grow cold. We should, granted, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I get angry. There's times I don't feel very Christian. There's times I feel dry and I feel hungry and I realize I haven't read the Bible in, the, in a day or so. I haven't spent as much time in prayer as I need to. I'm not perfect. Surprise. My wife could tell you that, that I'm not perfect. But I realize that He is my daily bread, that He is my substance. He he keeps that passion going in my life. And once we acknowledge and we submit to him saying, I need you for my daily bread. I need you for my spiritual well-being. I need you for that food I'm going to eat today. Thank you, God, for this food that you've given me, that you've allowed me to make money so I could buy, so we could feed my family. Thank you for that. We need to trust him for our weekly paychecks. You never know if your company is going to go belly up. And you're not going to get your next paycheck. We need to depend on him every day, every week. Every, for everything. And then once we do that, then we can move on to forgiving our, others as we have forgiven ourselves, as we have been forgiven. Right. Jesus, he expounds on this a little bit. I think this is important when he comes back and follows up on this, right? Go down to verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. This, these are the most scary verses in the Bible. So you're telling me, Jesus, that even though I've accepted you in my life, that I have to forgive other people for wronging me or else you're not going to forgive me? What the heck? That's not fair. Why should I have to forgive these other people? They were mean to me. They punched me in the face. They slashed my tires. They, they made fun of my Nebraska Cornhuskers, whatever it is. They offended me. Why I should harbor this. I, it's my right to be angry with them. Boy, this, this deserves a message all on its own. Because as Christians we struggle with Unforgiveness. We hold, there may be a few people in this room that are offended by me for some reason that I don't know. I step on toes sometimes, sometimes I forget to shake somebody's hand, sometimes I forget to be perfect and I offend somebody, I understand. But listen, you need to forgive me if you want Jesus to forgive you. And I need to forgive you if I want Jesus to forgive me. No matter, listen. You could be almost perfect the rest of your life, and if you hold one grudge until the day you die, Jesus cannot forgive you for one sin that you did. That's scary to me. To me, it's really, really scary. And, and, it's, and it's funny that, it's funny that Jesus has this almost last in the prayer. You think he'd, he'd have it first, right? To get everything right first. But he doesn't. First thing you do is you submit to him by saying, "Lord, you're greater than I am." Then you submit to him by saying, "Have your way in my life over my over my ways." Then you submit to him by saying, "I need your daily sustenance in my life. I need your I need you to to provide all my needs." You submit to him again. Now you're saying, "Now, God, I forget. I forgive these other people. Now, please forgive me." You're submitting to him again. By this time. Honestly, by this time, hopefully, you'd have already forgiven some people. This guy may have shown you how to do that earlier on. But we need to go through and make sure that we forgive others. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35 tells a story about two servants. One servant owed a huge debt to his boss. A lot of you probably know this story. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to give you the Cliff Notes version. But read it for yourself. It's a very good story. One servant, he he goes to the, to the, to his boss, and his boss is he's like, "Listen, you owe me a ton of money, let's say a million dollars, just for just just to put it in our money's eyes." And and the guy's like, "I can't pay it off. I can't pay it off. Please have mercy." He's like, "All right, I'll forgive you this debt. You go. You're fine." He goes out. He finds somebody that owes him $1,000. This servant that just been forgiven a million finds somebody that owes him 1000 And he, and he goes up. Just like He grabs hold and says, give me my money. He's like, I, I don't have it. Forgive me. Help me. And he goes, no, no mercy for you. And he throws him in prison, in debtor's prison. Well, the boss finds out about this and calls him back in. He says, listen, I forgave you a ton, and you couldn't forgive this little bit. And he had him and his whole family thrown into jail because of that. Listen, we need to learn that we need to forgive those who have debted it against us. It's very important. And we gotta we gotta spend time in prayer doing that. And then we get to the one that honestly, growing up in high school and all the stuff, I led with this part. I had given in to temptation, I'd I had given into the lust of my flesh, and 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 I would ask God, help me from my temptation. But Jesus had this last. And I think it's cool that Jesus adds this at the very end instead of at the very beginning. After we submit to His authority, submit to His way of doing things and His plan. Submit to Him for our daily spiritual and physical needs. Submit to Him for forgiveness. It should make freedom from temptation so much easier because we have already submitted to Him in every area of our life. Freedom from temptation should be so much easier. And for some, it may be things weighing on you the most, but it needs to be the last thing that we address. We need to, because by this time, we are in complete submission to Him. We're in complete submission to Him. And then He'll help us with our temptations. And finally. This part's not in this prayer, but I, in in, cha, in Luke chapter um, in Luke chapter 11 is there's another copy that they write down the Lord's prayer again, and right after it goes to this part. So I feel like it's very important. There are times in our prayer where we have needs, where we feel like God has showed us certain things that He wants to do in our life, where we pray and it doesn't happen. Has that ever happened for anybody? Has happened for me. I know I'm not alone. We feel like God's giving us given us a a, a a desire. He showed us his heart and, and it doesn't happen and it's quite frankly it can be very frustrating. It can be discouraging. And Jesus knows this. And honestly, he addresses it quite a bit. In uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, we see another portion of Scripture. And honestly, all the verses before this, Jesus sort of expounds on the parts of prayer as well. And we come to chapter 7, verse 7. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks, find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? It's very interesting. uh, A a while back, I I preached this to our students. And I did some really deep study on it. And I, I went into the Greek, and I realized the Greek... For the asking, for the seeking, and the knocking is plural. It says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. This is confirmed in Luke chapter 11. I'm going to go there and read it. Luke chapter 11, verses verse eight it's or verse, uh, 5, sorry he it, 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 it tells a story. He says, suppose you have a friend and you go with him. Go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him Jesus again talks about it in Luke chapter 18 where he talks about a widow who's going to a judge looking for justice and this judge is wicked and, and she kept going after him day after day after day after day after day till finally the judge said, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll grant your request because I'm afraid you're going to kill me. That's what it says in the scriptures. And if God, who is the good judge, imagine if he's an evil judge, imagine what God the good judge is going to do. But why must we keep asking? Why must we keep seeking? Why must we keep knocking? Why do we need to persevere in prayer in our time with God when we find out what He wants? Why do we need to keep on? It's very simple. Because until you truly start seeking for a treasure, you're not going to really find it. Until you truly keep asking, keep asking, keep asking, maybe you won't really mean it in your heart. But the more you ask, the more you ask, the more you ask, the more you're going to mean it in your heart. Listen, I know that there are people that are praying for revival for this church, for this city. But how many times do we pray for revival once and then not pray for it for a couple months? It needs to become a burning passion, desire in our heart that we cry out for. Because if God were to give us revival right now in our church, would we be ready? My son, this, it was Christmas this last week, and a couple of months back, my son was watching a commercial on TV. He watches a lot of commercials on TV, but he wants everything he sees on TV for like a minute, and then he forgets about it. But there's this one toy, has anybody here ever heard of a Switch and Go Dino? No? Okay, well, it's kind of like a transformer that goes from a dinosaur to a vehicle and then vice versa. And it talks and it roars and it makes a lot of noise. It's kind of annoying. And um, thank God it's got an on-off switch. And my son, he saw that and he's like, I want the big blue switch and go dino. Every day he was asking for it. He was seeking it. He was bugging us for it. And eventually his grandma got it for him. I didn't get it for him. I like life. Anyway. um, But he got it. Why? Because he he was persistent. When we go to God, we need to be persistent in our prayer. You may have a lost loved one in your family that you feel like God has showed you that they're going to get saved and you need to be persistent at it. But we need to go back. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe it's not going to be through you that they get saved, but you need to keep praying. You need to keep seeking God for their hearts, because maybe somebody in their life that you don't know is going to come along and, and lead them to the Lord. Maybe there's other things in your life, and, and, and maybe you're, you're up to your eyebrows in debt, and you feel like God's saying, I'm going to help you through this debt, maybe it's going to come by a way that you don't even expect. See, a lot of times, at least in my life, I'll get something in my heart for prayer, and I feel like God's given me a promise, and in my mind, I I will already work out how he's going to work out that promise. What I found out many, many times is that God's like, that's not the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it a completely different way, and I'm not going to tell you how. We need to continue to seek. We need to not lose hope. We need to not lose heart when we pray for things. Sometimes it's going to take years. Sometimes it's going to take months. Sometimes it's going to take weeks. And sometimes it's going to take a day. But God wants to answer your prayers. But we need to be persistent. We need to learn to submit to him. A lot of us, we may get a a promise from God. And we just come to him and we're just like, God, you already said this, so do it. He's like, well, excuse me. Who are you? I'm God. You're not. Let me do it my way. That's at least how he talks to me. I don't know how he talks to you guys. But um, we also need to understand that we need to learn to fight for what God desires to do. I talk to our kids about spiritual warfare. And a verse that, that I find very interesting is Ephesians 6, 12. Which says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I think about Daniel. I think about Daniel. When he when he prayed, when he found out, when he was reading Jeremiah, and he realized that after 70 years, his people were going to be set free. And so he started fasting for... and. and he started fasting for deliverance of his people. And it took, it took a while, I don't remember exactly how long, for the angel to get to him. There was warfare going on. Listen, we need to fight. We need to learn that we need to fight. We have to do our part on our end. When we're saying, Father, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're saying, we're going to fight on our end, Father. As you fight on your end, we will meet in the middle. We will get this answer to our prayer. And the power of prayer comes not when we are demanding of God, but partnering with God, grabbing hold of Him, grabbing hold of His desires. We need to partner up with God in our prayers. So today I want to ask you. First off, I want to ask you, do you know God? Have you surrendered everything to Him in your life? Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Because listen, Jesus wants to do some amazing things in your life, but first off, you have to submit to Him and receive Him in your life. Second thing I want to ask you is, how is your prayer time? Do you even spend time in prayer? Do you think, you know what, I can get away with it, I'm good, I'm a Christian, I'm safe. See, as Christians, we're called to be to be. Ambassadors, representatives, and warriors of Jesus in our life. We need to be fighting daily in, on, in prayer. And as believers, we need to learn to submit to God every day, to honor Him in our prayers, to to get His heart while we pray. How is your prayer time? Do you just come demanding of God, or do you come submitting to Him? These are the questions I asked of myself. I talked about how prayer and worship is very similar. At the beginning of our prayer, it is worship. We honor God, we exalt Him over ourselves. And when we spend time in worship, it needs to be the same thing. How is your prayer time? Are you submitting to Him daily? It's just a question. That's just why I want to. I want you to ask yourself: Are you submitting to Him daily, or are you demanding your own way? I'm not going to have an altar call today. I'm not going to say, "Come up here and and submit to God." I'm not going to do anything like that. Because listen, I believe that the only kind of submission that will truly Stick is the stuff that we do in private. In our private times. As we, as we go through the Lord's Prayer, I want you to look at the Lord's Prayer differently. Don't just fly through it, but take your time getting through it. Study the Word. Don't take my word for anything I said today. Study the Word on everything I say. If I, if I spoke anything that was wrong, please forgive me and let it go. But I want to challenge you. In this new year, I want to challenge you to go deeper in your prayer time. I believe God wants to do amazing things in this church. But it's going to start with prayer. It's going to start with a people who are dedicated to submitting to God every day. Letting go of your needs first and asking God what He needs. What He wants to do in your life. Because He can't do things in our life until we give Him permission to. He can't. It's His way of doing things. I want to challenge you to open up the Word and pray through it while you read it. Ask God how He wants to apply that that you read that day to your heart, to your life, to feed you. And then finally, I want to challenge you to persevere in your prayers. Because one thing that God has shown me over the last couple of months when I've been praying about certain things is that there's way more going on than I can see. God may be already working so hard, so strongly in somebody's heart that you're praying for, and you may not even know it. Take it from me, as a pastor who preaches to teenagers, you don't see what God's doing in their hearts. People, you you can't read people sometimes. You don't know what God's doing deep down. But God's doing something. So keep praying. Don't be discouraged. Don't let up. And one other thing, and this this is just a bonus. Sometimes when you're making progress, that's when you'll face the most resistance. That's when you get the most discouraged because Satan doesn't like it when you're making progress. He sees what's going on in some people's lives that you don't see. So I'm going to ask Tony to come on up and do whatever he needs to do to close us with worship. And I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for us as a church. Because I believe God, and I told this to our students, I'm telling it to you now. I believe God wants to raise up some prayer warriors in this church that will get a hold of heaven and will not let go until they see God do the things that He wants to do. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. God can use you to do amazing things in prayer. While I know some of the greatest prayer warriors in my life are some of the oldest ladies I know, there's one lady I saw in Omaha last week. Her name's Jermaine, and she is she's like what the kids said about God, that my grandpa said, you're around, how, how far back do you go? You know, she's just she was old. And, um, but listen, you don't have to be old to be a prayer warrior. You could be young. You could be in high school. You could be in junior high. And you could get a hold of God and see God do some amazing things. You can be like me that thinks they're 29, but they're really 34. And see God do some amazing things in prayer. But we need to submit to Him daily. So let me pray for you guys. Let's, let me pray for us. Dear Father, I come before you tonight in Jesus today in Jesus' name. I come before you and I worship you for how holy you are. For how good you are, Lord. Lord, I submit to you. Oh, we submit to you today, Father. And Lord, I pray that you will have your way in this church. Not our ways, not the ways we think that things need to be done, but have your way. Just like you have your way in heaven, Father. Lord, I pray for those in this room that are struggling that with financial issues and, and other things. They don't know where their next check's going to come from. They don't know how they're going to get the next meal on their plate. They don't know all these things, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you will help them to trust you for these very things, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who have unforgiveness in their hearts, in their lives. I pray, Lord God, you help them to forgive those just like they've been forgiven, Father. And Lord God, deliver us from our temptations, Lord. Lord I pray that, oh God, that you will rise, raise up prayer warriors in this church He'll get a hold of your heart He'll get a hold of what you want He'll get a hold of you It won't let go until they see your kingdom come Father Lord I pray for souls to become come flooding into this church Because of the prayers of the people in this church Lord Lord I pray for the city to be transformed Because of the prayers of the people in this church Father Lord, we pray that you will have your way in Evansville, that you'll have your way on the west side, that you'll have your way on the east side, that you'll have your way on the north and the south side, Lord God, that the city will be known as the city of God. Lord, we pray that you'll have your way here, Lord. Lord, we submit to you, we ask you for these things. We ask you for these things, Lord God. We see only you can do them, Lord God. We don't have the power, we don't have the strength, but only you do, Father. Father, I pray for this congregation, for our church, Lord, that you will stir in our hearts a desire to pray, a desire to get a hold of you, a desire to seek you, and to not let go of you, Father. Lord, I pray for your gifts to be released in this church. I pray for your gifts of healing to be released in this church. Your gifts of prophecy to be released in this church. Your gifts of, of, of tongues and interpretation of tongues to be released even more so in this church. Lord God, that all the gifts that you have promised us will be released in this church, Father. Lord, we pray that you will that this will be a, a, a church that will revolutionize anything that we see, Father. I pray, Lord God, that, that you will revolutionize the way that we pray, that you will revolutionize the way that we approach you. Lord God, that we will come before you humbly. And Lord God, that we will see you do amazing things in our life, Father. Lord, I pray for those that are homesick right now. or those who are traveling. Lord, I pray for your grace and your mercy to be upon them. I pray for healing in their lives. I pray for safety over their vehicles. I pray for Pastor and Sherry as they're coming home. Lord God, I pray you'll be with them. Lord, I pray for marriages in this room that that are struggling right now, Father. I pray for healing in those marriages, Lord. I pray for reconciliation. I pray for forgiveness. Lord, have Your way. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. you'd like to.